You're listening to On the Right Road. Get ready to experience extraordinary real-life inspiration and discover valuable tools to help kids find and travel the right road in school and in life. And now, here's your award-winning host, author, singer-songwriter, producer, humanitarian, and founder of Right Road Kids. It's Paula Phillips. Right Road. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Right Road. I'm your host, Paula Phillips, and as always, I've got something good and positive and wonderful to say and share with you all this evening, and boy, do I have a wonderful surprise for you. This On the Right Road show is going to be a little different than usual, but equally as special. So I've been thinking, as the years go on, you know that age-old question that pops up every once in a while, if you had the chance to sit down with anyone from throughout history for an hour and just talk, who would it be? Well, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and there are certain people that I really, really want to have the opportunity to do that with. So I've decided that every once in a while when we're able to coordinate the schedule with one of those amazing folks on my bucket interview list... I'm going to change up the On the Right Road show and make it more like a Right Road conversation hour. And the first person on that list for quite some time now has been Mo Anderson. She has actually been a guest here on the Right Road two previous times with me, and those shows were amazingly special. But the time just wasn't nearly enough to speak with her for as long as I would have liked to. So tonight I have the chance to dig deeper, ask more questions, and share even more of her remarkable inspiration with you. And this is actually going to be the first of a two-part Right Road Conversation series with Mo. So for those of you who may not be familiar with her name, Mo Anderson is the heart and soul of Keller Williams Realty. Her integrity, her business acumen, her unending drive and passion are really just a few of the touchstones that have made KW one of the most successful franchises in the whole world. Keller Williams is ranked as, I love this, one of the happiest places to work. It's also one of the most philanthropic companies out there, in great part due to Mo. Uh, Mo actually began her career as a beloved and celebrated music teacher for 14 years and then made the transition into real estate. In 1995, she became Keller Williams president and CEO, and she is now the co-owner and vice chairman of the board. The awards she has received are endless, including recently having been inducted into the state of Oklahoma's Hall of Fame, along with other extraordinary folks, including superstar Carrie Underwood. Mo also has written one of the most meaningful books I have ever read called A Joy-Filled Life. Every time I share a nugget from her book, I get more comments of appreciation than pretty much any other time because really of how much it means and the amazing weight it carries. And I know I've said it before, but her book and knowing her has really been a a game and a life changer for me personally and for Right Road. Mo's mission in life is to help people experience the higher purpose of business and of life caring, sharing, and giving. And I know firsthand that Mo is a teacher among teachers and a leader among leaders. She's also Right Road's angel sponsor and an inspiration and blessing beyond measure 
to everyone who has the amazing opportunity to meet her. And I am so truly honored and thrilled to welcome back Mo Anderson to On the Right Road. Welcome back, Mo. Well, Paula, I'm so excited to be with you. You just can't imagine. Oh. Oh. Oh, I just, I love you so much. I feel like your family. Uh, well, that's how I feel about you. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is just going to be the best hour ever. So, uh, so like I mentioned, Mo, this is going to be a two-part series, and if, for all of you listening tonight, for part one, we're going to focus on Mo's life, her her roots, her background, her foundations, and then on the next conversation with Mo Hour, we'll focus more on her business life and approach. Approach. And you may be asking, you know, if you're an educator or parent or student, well, how will this touch and affect my daily life and maybe the challenges I'm in the middle of with education or my job and the whole, whole current world situation? And, you know, my answer to that is simply, I hope that you'll trust me. I, I wanted to do this show tonight to share Mo's wisdom and inspiration with the world. We all need to hear it now more than ever. It applies to every nook and cranny in all of our lives, and it's it's really life changing, you guys. Um, and one added note before we dive in here, I will have one jumbo gift opportunity for educators as part of this show, and it will be near the end of the program. I didn't forget about giving tonight, you guys. I'm just consolidating it so we can learn as much as we can from Mo and pack as much of her amazing inspiration into this hour as possible. So, Mo, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, I thought a fun way to start would be, I don't know if you ever saw saw that show on Bravo with James Lipton. I believe he passed away this past year, but he would always, at the end of his amazing interviews, ask people like eight or ten questions or so, a quick fire like. So I've got eight questions here for you that let's try to do this in about two minutes. I thought it would just be a fun way for people just to learn some little nuggets about your life. Okay, you ready? I'm setting the clock. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, first of all, how many children do you have? We have two. Awesome. We have a son and a daughter. Awesome. And how many grandchildren do you have? We have three. Uh, The oldest one is a girl, and she belongs to our son. She is a dermatologist, and she just gave birth to our first great gen, uh, grandchild oh my god we have oh, and then we have special. two two grandsons one finished university um last last spring and he works in a bank and the other one is a junior at oklahoma university oh that's so awesome well and how long have you and your husband been married mo uh, 63 years. Holy yes, we were married cow. when we were very young. We were 20, so now you know how old I am. I'm <laughs> 83. <laughs> oh, my God. You are just a, you're such an inspiration for the world. Okay, question number four, quick, quick fire question number four. What, this is an, uh, a, a unique one. What is your favorite word? You know, I didn't have a favorite word until we experienced COVID, recession, 
um, protesters, riots, and burning down of buildings. And then suddenly in my mind one night came the word grace. Yes. And I'm talking about G-R-A-C-E, grace as defined by scripture and as defined by what we learned in kindergarten about forgiving and being nice. I oh, love that word. I do, too. I actually wrote a song called Grace. I, uh, oh, I have to, I'll have to get it to you somehow. Oh, my gosh. I have to get that to you. I think, you'll, I think it'll really touch your heart. Okay. Where is your favorite place? To be in the whole world? Uh, my favorite place to be is my home in Oklahoma City. It's called Stone Mill. And it's my very favorite place to be. We have a home in Austin because that's where the company headquarters is located. And um, and we have a family retreat in our little hometown, but my most favorite place of all is Stone Mill. And when you well, read the last chapter of my book, you'll know why. <laughs> yeah, well, and I had the opportunity to stay with you for a few days, and it is just, it, it's a respite. I, I, I can totally understand why that's your favorite place. Okay, last quick fire question. If you could speak, if you could speak to one person, anyone in the world throughout history, who would you like to have that one-hour conversation with? Uh, There's just no question about this answer. I would have loved to have spoken to Jesus. I think to have an hour conversation with him would be the greatest thing in the world. And someday I I may. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, someday when I die, I'm going to have a conversation with him. (laughs) I was thinking about that this morning with so many difficult things going on in the world. It's like, you know, what would you do? What what would you have me do? How can I live my best life? How can I react to this situation in the best way possible? It's so confusing now. So I love that answer, Mo. Well, now that we've sort of broken the ice, I'd like to go back to the very beginning. Um, what was life like for you growing up? Did you have, you know, a happy childhood in growing up years? Uh, I did. I had a unique childhood in growing up because I lived, I lived on a tenant farm, which means my father was a sharecropper, and we moved around from farm to farm, of course, as sharecroppers often do. And I had opportunities to work in the fields. You know, when I when I was around ten, I started doing work in the fields. But I worked with the animals. I worked in the garden. We had no indoor plumbing. Wow. Uh, that was totally foreign to me. We we were excited when we bought our first fan <laughs> to blow the air. Um, oh. So. I had an opportunity to develop a work ethic that's pretty incredible. And yes, I had loving parents, and we had wonderful neighbors, and we would get together in each other's yards for watermelon feeds and ice cream (laughs) socials. And we would spend a lot of time in the old country school helping to make bandages for Red Cross during World War II. So I had a, uh, a, un- a very unique childhood. 
it was tough. Let me tell you, when you're a sharecropper's daughter, you have a tough life, but it can still be fun and joyful when you have lovely, lovely farmers a mile down the road and you all get together. Well, and that sense of community where everybody really cares about each other and would give their right arm to help. And I think in our world, you know, we're missing that sense of community locally and in our world. Well, it just, it sounds, it sounds like such a a beautiful childhood, even though it was hard, but those hard times are what build our backbone so often and, and kids need to go through those hard times. Mo, thinking of your childhood, would you have changed anything growing up if you could have? Well, if I could have, I would have certainly changed the amount of income that my par- that my parents had uh, yeah. because it was they came out of the Great Depression and of course we were at the end of that era when I was born and and they came out of the Dust Bowl and I still remember the Dust Bowl and if I could have I would have you know arranged for them to have made a little bit more money because we struggled, struggled for income. And the other thing that I would have changed is in our farming community in the area where I lived when I was, you know, let's see, from four to probably um, a sophomore in high school, I would have wanted less funerals because we had so many young men who came back from the war in a casket. And we attended all of those services to pay honor to those great warriors. And that is the memory that at 83, I still think about often. Well, and it certainly puts things in perspective. Um, Just as you're talking, it's so interesting like you didn't complain about, yeah, I had to work since I was 10 and, you know, we, we had it rough. You, your wish was for your parents and for, you know, the people who gave their life. And I think that goes to show that sometimes when we have to go through those difficult times, instead of complaining, it's like, what are the lessons we can learn? And I know it's one of the reasons I, I believe that you are so giving and grace-filled and, and joy-filled because of those experiences that you have. And it's such a, a testimony to um, just keeping all of that in perspective. So, Mo, I'd really like to ask you some questions about your parents, if I could. What was the most meaningful thing that you learned from your mom? Well, you know, people have asked me that question before, and the answer always is the same answer in my head. I think about the time I got off the school bus. I was probably in the fourth grade, and I came in. We sat down on our pitiful old sofa. It was just awful, but we sat there, and my mom said, Honey, I want you to to join every committee you can possibly join in your grade school, junior high, and high school. And I thought she was crazy. And I said, (laughs) why in the world would you want me to do that? And she looked at me and said, because I believe you have some strong leadership skills, 
And if you will work hard on those committees, it will give you an opportunity to exercise your leadership abilities. And then if you will do everything in your power to be chairman of committees, uh, you will even grow to a higher level of being able to exercise your leadership skills. And then when you get in high school and you graduate, you will be years ahead of everybody else. What Well, I took her advice, and look what happened. (laughs) Right. Oh, my. You know, it really goes to show sometimes as parents, we think, you know, our kids are so busy and we're so busy and you you share certain things and you wonder, is it sticking? And again, what a testimony to that one moment that your mom shared with you. And it had a profound influence on your entire life. Parents, there's hope. I mean, you know, keep sharing your heart with your kids because even if it feels like, and teachers too, even if it feels like your kids aren't listening, they are. If you're sharing it from your heart, oh my gosh, Mo, I love that. So now what is, on the other side, what is the most meaningful thing you learned from your dad? One time we were in Enid, Oklahoma. We we lived, our farm was about 21 miles away from Enid. We were in our pitiful old car that ran part of the time. He parked in front of the Carnegie Library. Now, we'd been there before to check out books because that was our only source of books. But that time, he did not take me inside the library. He he took my hand, walked me up the steps to the top of the steps, which was a nice little area, and he told me the story of Andrew Carnegie, how Andrew Carnegie was poor like we were. And yet when he became an adult, he became very wealthy because he had entered the steel business. How when he was elderly, he became sick, he took care of his family, and then he wanted, he had $350 million left over after he took care of his family, and he wanted to give that money away before he died. And what he did was he built libraries in all of the smaller towns across the United States. There are towns all over the place that had these beautiful Carnegie libraries. He paid for the building. He helped pay, or he paid for the books. And I, I believe he paid for the staff. And then a year later, he would turn that over and give it to the city. At the end of this lesson that my father was teaching me, now remember, he had an eighth-grade education. My father had an eighth-grade education, and he toiled the soil, and he worked so hard, and here he is teaching me about Andrew Carnegie. And at the end of that lesson, he looked at me, and he said, I want you to always respect the wealthy because the wealthy usually give back. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that? Now, what he did for me in that moment was he lit two two matches, two fires inside of me. Because as a small child, I was so sick of us not having any money. 
And I began dreaming as a small child that someday I would make more money than I needed so I could help other people because I couldn't buy birthday presents. I couldn't do anything because there was no money. And the second fire he lit in my belly was that it's okay to make money, and if you do make a little bit more money than you need, you have an obligation to give it back like Andrew Carnegie did. Oh, Mo, you, you are blessed with amazing parents, and what I love is that uh, because I know you, and I know your heart, and I know your inner soul, and how much these things mean to you, you you listen to them, and you molded them into your life. It's like you're you're talking what your parents said, and I'm like, that's who you are. It's just, I mean, how beautiful is that? Oh my goodness. Well, my challenge to any parent who might be listening is, what are you teaching your children right. about? Money. Because I see people in my company who are real estate agents, when they get a big commission, they struggle with it. They don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they've earned it. They struggle with having money. And I just tell them, folks, you've got to get over it. Because the more money you make, the more money you give away. It is so thrilling when you're in a position you can give away more than 10%. Maybe you can give away 20 or 30 or 40%. 40%. Let me tell you what, the greatest joy in my life is being able to help people because I couldn't do it as growing up. Well, and the difference that you've made in my life personally and in Right Road by being our angel sponsor. I mean, you're not just talking that, you live it. Um, and I know that it comes from your heart and from from way back to those lessons that your parents taught you. I mean, I'm just, I'm, this is so important for for our kids and our families and our educators to hear. You know, we've got to get back to these core life lessons that really they make all the difference in the world. Well, and, and you know, I think, you know, you've already shared some of the hardships you've faced in your life. And I think that sometimes people look at successful people and think, well, everything just came easy. You know, they've got it made in the shade. But so often it's really that successful people have learned how to face challenges and how to move through them. And and again, I know you've had so many huge challenges in your life. So, Mo, I would love to hear from your, your own words. What is your philosophy on facing a challenge? How do you face a challenge? Well, I I hit it head on. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a highly aggressive person in the sense that if there is a challenge, I just go after it because I know I have to deal with it and there's no point of putting it off. And then my next step is I pray, pray, pray for great wisdom. You know, the scripture says if you pray for wisdom, you'll get it. And I pray for wisdom, and if I really listen, you know, for that wisdom, then see I'm approaching the challenge in a far greater manner than I do when I don't listen. 
Yes. <laughs> and I, I just go. <laughs> uh, and you, oh, I love it. It's like you take the quiet time to hear uh, the voice inside, what God's asking you to do, and then you just get out and do it. My stepdad taught me a similar lesson called, he calls it swallowing the frog. Don't let it eat you up. First thing when you wake up, if you have a challenge, you take care of it. You don't let it fester. You just get out there and take care of it. And so now I've got my stepdad and your sage advice. And both of those two together have really impacted how I handle things. It's really helped me in dealing with big challenges. Uh, and, and, you know, something that just popped into my mind, you know, I think a lot of people, everybody's life is different. Some people face more challenges than others. And sometimes people get stuck on, you know, well, why is, why is, life so difficult for me. And my son and I actually had this conversation yesterday. I, I printed out, he's, my son has had more challenges than in the last year. He is just the most remarkable kid. And yet, I mean, a lot of you know, my mom had has cancer. My His abuelito, his grandfather passed away of cancer. We couldn't even say goodbye to him. All these, his best friend in, from eighth grade had lymphoma cancer. I mean, all these things happened to my son within a year's period of time. And I sat down with him and, and more, and I could go on and on, but I, I don't want to, you know, overstep and I want to be respectful of him. But we sat down yesterday and I, I made this little poster and I, I gave it to him. It says, when your path is difficult, your purpose is bigger than you thought. And we had a conversation. Okay, when things are tough, try not to get down and get all intertwined in the heartbreak and the heart hardship. Remember that God has a remarkable purpose for your life. And when things are difficult, although God never gives us those difficult things, that's humanity putting those things on us. But God often gives us the opportunity. He doesn't, when we pray, he doesn't just make things better like that because he's giving us an opportunity to become stronger and to become better. So, so like you said, Mo, you took all those challenges and hardships and nuggets of information and you built your great life. And I think that's such a key thing to remember about challenges. I hope that makes sense. Well, now, well, you're, you're so right because, because in life, there are some challenges that will stay with you probably for the greater part of your life. Yes. I mean, it, they never so, go away. Right. You learn how to deal with it, and you move on. And then you face it again, you deal with it, you move on. But a year later, here it is again. So there are some things that never, ever go away. And you are so right. There is a greater purpose in a challenge because the challenge is to build character in you. Exactly. And that's the thing. Too many adults today are trying to make their pa- the path for their children easy. And that's a mistake. There's a difference between trauma. We don't want our kids to have trauma, but we want them to have that uh, hardship in terms of learning to work through the challenges. Well, now, Mo, a couple times already you've mentioned your faith, and I, I just absolutely know it's a cornerstone of your life. You know, what does your faith mean to you? Well, it's just, um, it's the rock in my life, and um, it became a huge part of my life, you know, at university when I had a professor who said it was all a myth and it wasn't believable, and he tried to convince us all that Christ was not 
real. He was just a mythology person. And um, he did everything in his power to uh, destroy what we believed. And he succeeded with me because here I am, um, a seven, well, 17-year-old off the farm, and he has three PhDs, and I think he's the smartest man I've ever met. Right. And he must know what he's talking about. So I went through a period of about five years of being an agnostic, and then um, uh, an incident happened that made me realize that what I what my parents had taught me and what I believed in was absolutely real. So uh, kids face that now when they go to these universities because they have become dens of indoctrination uh, about a lot of things. Mine in 1955, <laughs> a long time ago, happened to be about my faith. Yes. Uh, it, well, it's it's just so interesting how things have shifted away from faith. And, and I understand when faith and state need to be separated, but it just seems like we're trying to accommodate everybody's feelings. And then what you believe, it has, I'm not saying you specifically, Mo, but it makes it I don't know, something's off kilter right now, because we should be able to share the goodness and the faith without being nervous. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent here. I want to make sure we cover so many things. Um, And one of the things I really want to dive into is your just amazing A Joy-Filled Life book. It's a treasure to me. My copy (laughs) is all dog-eared. The pages are annotated. Some are even loose in the book because I've referenced it so often. And I have a feeling I'm going to quote several sections during our time together here. And in one chapter you share, I'm going to quote here, find your dream. If you don't have one, ask God to reveal the dream inside of you. God has put dreams into the DNA of every single person. So what have been your dreams and life passions, Mo? And and do you feel, I think I know the answer to this, but do you feel at the bottom of your soul that you followed and lived all of those passions? I do. When I was quite young, my dream was to become a music teacher in the public schools. And I did that, and I adored that. I loved that. I found fulfillment in that. And then when I discovered I would never be able to make more money than I needed, you know what I'm saying? Which is such a a sad story. As a teacher, I then moved into the business world, and then my passion was to succeed as a CEO, and in the business world, I did make a little bit, you know, a little more money than I needed so that I could support your your, uh, passion, and I could... I could support about 43 other passions. And then as I was building the company, uh, I became totally passionate about um, instilling culture at a deep level in that company so that that company would leave a cultural legacy. 
And oh I even have, you know, new dreams now. I, I want to be useful until my last breath. I want to continue to build culture in the company. I want to continue the philanthropic things that we've had been able to do. But, but what I'm, my biggest dream of all right now is teaching Generation 2, which would be our children, Generation 3, which would be our grandchildren. Now we've got little Lucy Lynn, which is the beginning <laughs> of Generation 4. I want to, before I go, <clears throat> before I pass, before I die, I want to teach them so many things. I want to teach them how you choose the charity, how you decide how much to give to the charity, how you hold the charity or the ministry, whatever it is, accountable. I want to teach them how to invest. If we leave them a small pot of money, my challenge to them is double or triple or quadruple what what we left them so that they can leave to future generations and keep that philanthropic keep the philanthropic efforts growing and keep the business-mindedness mind, growing. <clears throat> so we want to teach. We've already got a committee in our family. It's called the Investment Committee, and wow. we'll have experts come and teach them how to choose an investment, how much to put in, how to hold it accountable. So these are the things that I want to teach Gen 2, 3, and maybe 4, if I live long enough, uh, before I go. Oh, my gosh. I, I love how you've intertwined your faith, your voice, your calling, your dreams. It's like people get so confused nowadays thinking, well, I don't know if I should share my faith. I don't, you know, and you've, you've molded them into this amazing, joy-filled life. That just is such an inspiration, and and it can be done. I mean, you know, you can, quote, have it all. You can do what's right. Oh, Mo, you're just such an inspiration. Well, and another wonderful thing you write about in your book is the importance of vision. And I, I believe that vision is is a big, bigger picture than a dream. And, and you, I'm going to quote again. There's a poignant scripture passage that states, where there is no vision, the people perish. Have you seen Oh, that is the, so true. Right? And, and you continue in your book, have you seen people without a dream? They have no hope, no vision, and no purpose. They are dying slowly, perishing a bit more every day. They lead lives of quiet des- desperation. And gosh, I feel like our world is facing a lack of vision right now. I feel like so many people are living in quiet desperation, especially with all that two- 2020 has brought. And I f- again, I feel like vision is a bigger picture than a dream. What is your vision, Mo? Well, um like I say, my vision is to leave a legacy, leave a family who uh, will continue with the Anderson family values. I can't do anything about what happens in the world. I have very little influence over the world. I I have very little influence over Washington, D.C. I would like to take all of them and turn them over my knee and spank them, <laughs> to be truthful. And I... Um, I 
I have some influence over my city, but where I have the greatest amount of influence is over my family. And my vision is to leave a family well-equipped to deal with a chaotic, crazy world. You see, the religion part is so simple because... The, the founding fathers didn't want the United States of America to have a, a state church. That's all that was about. They right. said, choose your religion. You can be anything you want to be. Well, my vision for building a culture in Keller Williams is I know we have Buddhists, we have Hindus, we have Muslims, we have, um, we have everything. You name it, we've got it in Keller right. Williams. Well, see, right. Jesus didn't teach me to put push my religion down their throat. What he taught me was to love these people, absolutely love these people. Well, whoever my vision, it is, exactly. Whoever it is and whatever their faith is. So right. my vision has been, wouldn't it be exciting to build culture in a secular company where there's every kind of religion you can think of, where there's every color you can think of? And we're doing it. We've done it. We have a prayer breakfast. And do you know that I have the prayers of the faith? That means a Hindu will pray, a Buddhist will pray, um, everybody prays, and that gives me the right to pray as I want to pray. And in my prayer, I pray that I'm so proud of our company, and I'm so grateful to God that He gave us a chance to build a company of all nationalities, of all color, and of all faiths. And we love each other. We have each other's backs. We get along. You know, I... I'm thinking so many things. I wish we had 10 hours to sit down and talk. First of all, I feel like somehow you've welcomed me into your family. And and I just want you to know, Mo, on a personal level, that the legacy that, you know, your aim is to leave with your family, my part of you're part of my heart and I want to honor you and everything that you've given me through your life, through just your being. I want to follow that legacy through everything i'm going to get choked up through everything i do through right road through through my son through uh, you've just had that kind of impact on my life um and i, I the other thing i want to say is mo for president <laughs> i know that's not honey they would impeach they would impeach me in the first 10 minutes because <laughs> if, I'd, if I'd been the facilitator of that debate last night, I would have spanked both of them, I, well, I <laughs> including, <laughs> including Wallace. <laughs> oh, it, I, I could only bring myself to watch a short portion, and I'm like, okay. So, but but what you're, it, how you're sharing things, Mo, is so it's it doesn't make people defensive. It just shares love, and it it just it's so the right thing to do. And I I'm just so glad we're doing this, recording this conversation, because I feel like 
the world needs to hear this. I feel like it's part of the legacy that you have to share with the world and the wisdom. So, Mo, I'd love to ask you about balance because somehow you've seemed to balance everything over the years. I mean, career, family, children, travel. They say you can't have it all, but when I look at your life, you have seemed to. You know, what you've accomplished in so many ways is miraculous, and I know that so many people are really, really struggling educators, everybody with balance in their lives. How have you balanced everything so well? Well, uh, you, you only have balance in your life at certain times. Oh. Um, fortunately, when I became CEO of Keller Williams, my kids were grown and gone. So you see, I didn't have I didn't have that issue that so many of our young mothers have right now. Our young mothers in COVID, they've had to work at home. Right. They have had to teach at home, and many of them have never taught before. Right. <laughs> and so what I want everybody to really understand is having balance in your life is only going to happen on certain occasions. So so understand that when you're working on a new project or you're having to do all this stuff in COVID, and I hope and pray COVID doesn't last forever, you're yes. going to be through it sometime. Yes. And if, if they can come up with a vaccine, hopefully it will be sooner than later. So when when you're having to do these things and you feel guilty because you can't be with your kids as much as you want to be or you can't be with your husband or you just can't be that mother that you really want to be or you can't be that father you really want to be, you will get to be when that project has reached a culmination or you have finished giving birth to it. It's giving birth to ideas and projects and giving birth to a company or giving birth to a new classroom or whatever. That's what is so time-consuming. But you see, once you get in the rhythm of it, then you'll be able to go time-block your calendar, and then that's when you'll be doing special things for your kids, being with them more, being with your spouse, And you'll have time if you time block it. If you don't put it on the calendar, it will never happen. But this is when you'll put put your fishing trip or your shopping trip with your little daughter or whatever. If you get it on the calendar, then it will happen. And you'll have this wonderful balance for a period of time. And then you'll be out of balance again. So just get used to it and just understand that's just how life is. I love that. And accepting that instead of letting it eat you alive and feeling guilty about it, accept, okay, this period, and maybe even have a family conversation about how how that happens. It's going to happen with our kids. It's going to happen as parents. It's going to happen in our work. It's going to happen as grandparents. I love that, Mo, and I love the time blocking thing. I think any educators listening, I think that's so reassuring. And to know that it is going to be a bit of a roller coaster, but that's okay. That's life. Oh my gosh, I love this, Mo. So and now, if you a- have the 
if you have the family meeting where you explain what you're going to be doing, why it's important, uh, and then you tell your, your husband and your children what they can do to really help you, and that as soon as that phase is over with, you're going to do something special with them, and that's where you ask them, what special things shall we do when mom finishes with giving birth to this project? What do you want to do? And they tell you, then get the family calendar out or whatever you use, your computer, right. whatever, and block, time block it. Time blocking is so important. Oh, the light bulb moment right here, people. This is awesome. So, Mo, this is a big question now. Um, in a nutshell, what does success mean to you? You know, a lot of people think because a person has a nice home or you have a nice car or whatever, that that's success. To me, it is absolutely not success. My definition of a, of, of a successful person is a person who lives at whatever level of, of economic life, whatever level it is, they live with a certain amount of peace in your heart, a certain amount of comfort in your heart. Yes. It, it's where you, you're just satisfied with the world and you're just, you live in a sense of gratitude. Now, we don't live that way every day, every minute. Right. But we have these periods where we have these long periods of, I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for so many things. It's where you have that spirit of gratitude and peace in your heart. And you live that way at least most of the time. I love that. You know, you'll be thrown off track a little bit, but that is a successful person. What a wonderful thing to strive for instead of the money and the cars. And like you said, the, you know, those things can come depending on the decisions that you make in your life. But, but looking at the, um, the definition of success in terms of feeling that peace and gratitude in your heart, I, what a wonderful thing to strive for. Well, and so here, here's another big question, Mo. In looking at success, because I feel like you feel like your life is successful, you have that gratitude and peace inside. I, I don't think I'm overstepping by saying that. What do you think are f- a, a few of the characteristics that you have or factors that you feel have been significant in the success you've experienced in your life? You know, what is it about you that that brought all this together so that you have that success in your life? Well, I feel like that that I have had many, 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 many heartbreaks and challenges in my life. Yes. An example of that is our son became an alcoholic when he went to university. And I have a passion and a compassion for anyone who has alcoholism in their family. And fortunately, we got him the help he needed, and he's been sober, I think, now for close to 20 years. But we went through hell with that situation. 
So when people look at me and they think, oh, man, she's so lucky. She's, you know, she's got it all. They have no clue. Um, My husband had depression for 15 years. They have no clue. But see, here's what I learned through all of that, all of those experiences. I learned that each person whether it's your husband, your wife, your child, they have their own path. And when they leave the home, you don't have that much influence over their decisions and choices. And that you can't control another person. You've got to let that go. So what I've learned is that in the midst of this awful stuff that you live in, you actually can rise above it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like the first four days of COVID, I was just filled with fear. And it was crazy that I was filled with fear. Why should I be filled with fear? (laughs) But I was. And on on the fourth day, I said to myself, Mo, you're out. You're totally out of whack. You're filled with fear. You're fearful that your businesses are going to fail, and you're fearful that you'll get it, and all this crazy stuff. And so I began to work on my mindset, and I I have learned four things about mindset that really help me when I get like that. Well, it took me about, see, I had all this fear, so I quoted the verse I learned as a kid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, if God didn't give me that spirit of fear, because let me tell you, I had one. Right. Somebody else must have given it to me, and you know who I'm talking about. And it (laughs) says, God has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I said that verse probably a thousand times that day, maybe not that many, but a whole bunch of times. Suddenly, the fear was totally gone. I had my legs under me again, and I was rising above it, if you if you know what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. I, I seriously wish we had so much more. I can't believe this time is, is zooming by so quickly. We only have a few more seconds here. Uh, but, Mo, if you had one one sentence, to sh- one final nugget, uh, word of advice to share with all of our amazing Right Road friends listening in the world right now, what would it be? It would be that, and this was the purpose of my book, to show you that you can live a joy-filled life in the midst of anything. COVID, Ugh. riots, um, I mean, you don't like it and you don't want it, burning down build. I mean, you can live right, through anything. Right. You can live a joy-filled life through anything. Whatever challenge or adversity you have, there is there is a way to live above it all. Well, I, I, and you've got to, 
and, and there are certain disciplines you need to have in your life in, in, in order to find that spot above it. And yes. we can have an, another time when we can talk about just those disciplines. Exactly. And that's what we're going to, when we do our second conversation with Mo, we'll get more all, we have so much more to talk about. But right now we've got to wrap things up here for this show, Mo. Thank you so much. I don't even know how to thank you. You're just, you're such an inspiration for me in my life and for Right Road. And I, and I know that all everything that you've shared is just such an inspiration for the world. So thank you so much for being here, but also for being who you are and for being such a tremendous a friend and supporter of Right Road, uh, like you have been for the last many years. I'm just so, speaking of gratitude, I'm so grateful, Mo. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful for the privilege because I think what you're doing to help the teachers, it just blesses my soul because I have loved, loved being a teacher. And even though I don't teach in a, you know, in a public school anymore, I still teach in my company. Absolutely. I mean, that's, oh, we got to talk more about that next time, too. Um, I'm so sorry we've got to wrap up here, Mo, but the, the minutes are just ticking by, and I can't wait for our next conversation. So hold that thought um, um, and know that we'll just, we'll dive into so many more avenues. But all of this that we've talked about tonight, everybody, is the inspiration that is Mo Anderson and Mo's A Joy-Filled Life book. Um, and with all of this, I have a very, very special gift opportunity and giveaway bonus for all of you educators who are listening this evening. Mo has kept supporting Right Road even now through the pandemic when, like everyone, she's been facing tremendous challenge herself. I'm just so thankful for her as I've shared over and over tonight and her book. It's just such a blessing that I I had to make it one of today's things that I do a couple of times each year when I share this special blessing and gift opportunity with as many of you as possible while also giving back to Mo, who again is our Right Road Angel sponsor. And Mo never asks me to do this, nor does she even know what I'm about to say. But today is one of those special blessing days. It's perfect after our conversation tonight and with the holidays right around the corner. So here's the scoop. Take a look at the Mo Anderson's A Joy-Filled Life book purchasing post on our Right Road Kids Facebook page that I posted earlier today. Here's the scoop. Every U.S. educator to purchase Mo's book today, October 11th, 2020, will receive a free $30 school supply gift pack from Right Road for each copy of the book they purchase via Kindle or paperback. So if you purchase three copies, for example, you'll receive three school supply gift packs. The book is an amazing read, a beautiful gift for your educator, friends, or anyone perfect for the upcoming holidays. The details are all right there in the post. Just scroll down a few posts on our Right Road Kids Facebook page to find the post with the picture of Mo Anderson's A Joy-Filled Life book, plus... I'm also going to draw five names at random from all of you who purchased Mo's book today and let me know. Again, just check out the post for the easy details to purchase and how to let me know. And each of the five will receive an awesome $500 retail value near school supply gift pack in addition to their $30 school supply gift pack or packs. I just really want to make sure you all have this amazing book resource to uplift and inspire you while also receiving some extra supplies to support you and your students. 
Gardens. This whole opportunity will be open until 11.59 p.m. Pacific tonight, Sunday, October 11th, 2020. And I'll announce the five $500 retail value Nair School Supply gift pack recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Huge thanks to Mo on behalf of Keller Williams and her extraordinary joy-filled life book for her continued support that helps to make all of this kind of very special Right Road gifting possible. One added note, you guys, and again, Mo has never asked me to in any way, shape, or form to share this. It's coming from my heart. If you are in need of a realtor, please do reach out to Keller Williams. Um, It's a remarkable company, and if nothing else, you can do it as a favor to me personally, as, as a thank you to Mo for all she continues to do to support Right Road, and I would absolutely be remiss not to mention KW agent Lori Stinas, who has also personally been an On the Right Road sponsor for years now as well. If you don't know who to reach out to KW in your area, just Google Lori Stinas, L-A-U-R-I-E-S-T-E-E-N-I-S, KW. It'll pop up and reach out to her and she can help you find someone in your community. Oh my gosh, you guys, a huge thank you again to Mo Anderson for being my guest here on the Right Road on part two of the Right Road Conversation with Mo. We'll focus more on her work and the inspiration that comes from that side of her extraordinary life. And that show will be coming up in early 2021. Our next live on the Right Road show will be on Sunday, November 8th. And as always, we have another amazing show planned for you. Hey, everybody, thank you so very much for listening here and being a part of the Right Road family. Blessings, love, and light to every single one of you. In case you missed any part of this evening's show or would like to share it, This episode will, of course, be available to listen to or download for free. And as I've been doing, I'll post the link to this episode on our Right Road Kids Facebook page within about a half hour after we wrap up here. I believe Mo is also going to upload this episode on her website shortly as well. And in between our live on the Right Road broadcasts, you can always connect with us on our Right Road Kids Facebook page and via our website at rightroadkids.org. Hey, everybody, always remember that you are special, appreciated, and loved. Until next time, Sunday, November 8th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be that daily, positive, bold, empowered inspiration for the kids in your life and live your best, most amazing life on the right road. Wishing all of you and your families and your students and your schools and your communities an absolutely joy-filled life. I love you all. Thank you for listening to On the Right Road with your host, Paula Phillips. Connect with us anytime at www.rightroadkids.org or at Right Road Kids on Facebook. And we'll catch you again here every first and third Sunday of the month at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Right Road. Right Road.